This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. For 10% off your first air purifier, visit molecule.com. That's M O L E K U L E.com and use the promo code FOOL10 at checkout. It's Thursday, October 24th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill with me in studio, Seth Jason. Thanks for being here. I got all sorts of spelling pointers. <laughs> For everybody, I think the molecule people know that uh, it's you know the the regular version uh, is with a C. Okay. But for them to differentiate, they went with the K. Not unlike okay. our friends at Cabbage, Krusty the Clown. Krusty the Clown, exactly. Krispy Kreme are they K's? They are. I like the Q and delicious. But, but, but it sounds like a good product either way. Uh, we've got earnings. Holy cow, do we have earnings? So much so that uh, Motley Fool Money this weekend is going to be all earnings. Uh, we're going to. That pre- sounds like fun. Oh, it is. It is. Um, we're going to preview a brand new category of stock that's going to be trading next week. So hold on, we'll get to that. <gasps> Wait, am I doing that now? Uh, no. Right now, we're going to talk about Microsoft. Oh, okay. Uh, first quarter profits and revenue for Microsoft came in higher than expected. The stock is up one percent, one and a half percent. I that, read earlier it was like down a little bit, but, but nobody yeah. seems to care. Well, let me tell you why it's only up a little bit, and it's because their cloud business only grew fifty nine percent. I know that's horrible. <laughs> Only only fifty nine percent for a part of a we don't know how much Azure is what they're talking about the Azure growth rate and and it was sixty some percent and some people said it should still be we had it for sixty two for crying out loud I imagine these guys as old people on a porch and it came through at fifty nine hell in a handbasket but um, this is a ten billion dollar. Uh, Kind of division of Microsoft and its primary mover is growing still at that kind of a pace. That is the kind of thing you should dream of for a company that Microsoft is a trillion dollar company. For them to have a big business line growing at 59% still is pretty incredible. You're talking about 33 billion in revenue in the, for the quarter. I mean, that, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, and sure. Not everything's growing that quickly, but even you know, like Office 365 commercial. This is a big contributor to one of their other ten billion dollar segments, growing at twenty eight percent. That's Office. Like that's that's the Office software we use, which by the way I love and I continue to use it. That's a pretty healthy growth rate for a product that basically has been around for a couple of decades. Yeah, it really is. And earlier in the week, we were talking about all the different. CEO announcements, and I think that, among other things, you look at the job uh, Satya Nadella has done at Microsoft, and I think now it's at the point where anytime any company, no matter what the industry is, if they get a new CEO, if you're paying attention to the universe of public companies, part of you is thinking, "Gosh, if only." If only this new guy at Under Armour can do for Under Armour what Nadella has done for Microsoft, yeah. that'd be great. Yeah. Now a lot of the groundwork was was laid before he he got there too, and you know you have to say really solid execution from thousands and thousands of people working at Microsoft. But yeah, keeping this vision moving into the cloud so strongly and tying all of this together, you know they've got great AI, they're a leader there. And they have really good gaming. They're even doing, you know, their little search business that everybody makes fun of, doing okay. Um, the computers that everybody made fun of, the service business does okay, actually getting, you know, good reviews. And 
The Motley Fool has switched to those from what we were using because it's really solid hardware. Um, so gaming business, uh, lumpy. That's how the gaming business is. But they well, have they have irons in a lot of fires, and they do well in a lot of these places. Yeah, for anyone who looks at the, the gaming being down year over year, it's like, well, it's a second. It's like, yeah, a year ago they were putting up. Insane! Like you talk about tough comps. Microsoft's gaming division this quarter and the previous quarter really, really tough comps. Yeah, so forty-four like percent growth last quarter. Yeah. So so, um, so even that, even if you know, if you're looking to to ding Microsoft, it's like uh, I, I I don't think you want to ding them too hard for their gaming quarter. Yeah. Even Windows OEM install still nine percent. I mean that that to me is that's stronger than I would have guessed. If you had asked me, what do you think the growth in Windows uh, operating system installs was for like OEM computers, I would have said. Who's, who's buying a computer anymore? I don't know, down 2%? Nope, up 9%. Okay, cash cow, right? Yeah. Uh, let's move on uh, to, well, <laughs> now, that, now that we've gotten the amazing execution story out of the way, let's move on to Twitter. Ah, uh, uh, the tweeter. Uh, shares of Twitter down nearly 20% today. Uh, the third quarter results were solidly worse than expected, and you've got the management at Twitter talking about a number of headwinds that, you know, and if you want to give them credit for being transparent, you can, but they're saying, hey, not only are we battling a number of headwinds, they're not going to get better in this year. And there's a good chance these problems that we're dealing with are going to bleed over into 2020. Yeah, and it's it's almost to me it reads like not a, a bunch of headwinds, but ra- more like a single headwind, which is like we screwed up a bunch of stuff. And so we're fixing what they call bugs in uh, some of their systems, which is changing the amount of information advertisers can get and so forth. And since they run an auction system, advertisers have responded in different ways, all of which have added up to not doing so much advertising as you would hope. And that's really bad when you have uh, your business is a one-trick pony. Uh, well, let's call it a two-trick pony. You got hacking elections and <laughs> and selling ads, right? And so this is a business that depends on advertising. And I'm I'm actually honestly surprised that that they can do so well as they have selling advertising. Because how much internet advertising can we look at? And if you run through your Twitter app. According to Twitter, the answer is apparently, oh, I don't know, every third or fourth tweet. Here's an ad for you to look at and be really angry about if you wanted to see tweets instead of ads. So, um, Twitter, uh, hopefully they fix this. The response from the market today seems to be, uh-oh, uh, maybe, maybe they don't fix it, maybe, maybe the, or maybe this doesn't get fixed for longer. You know, this company turns out a decent amount of cash. So, at the right price, uh, presuming things don't go off the cliff, it, it is actually worthwhile. Uh, I'm not sure I'm a buyer at uh, the, the free cash flow yield that you get right now. But at some point, probably worth it, provided things really aren't going too badly. Selling cheaper than it has for a while. It absolutely is, and they're going. You know, in the same way that we just talked about Microsoft's gaming division having really tough year-over-year comps. You know, potentially this sets Twitter up for uh, a solid 2020 with easier comps because for Twitter, Facebook, Google, Amazon's growing ad business. You know, if you're, you know, and for that matter, television networks and radio networks. 2020, we've got a presidential election. We have the Olympics. There, you know, 2020 is setting up as if you're doing your job well. 
then you're making money in the advertising business, and you're making more money in 2020 than you did in 2019. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, web-enabled apps that know a lot about us can can help these companies do even better with better targeting. And that has been some of the worry uh, of what's going on at Twitter today. That you know that they had to change things so that advertisers didn't have as much information maybe about users, and so they either stopped bidding on those users or decided, all right, we're going to target different users. And it, when you read this, it all kind of makes some business sense and everything. But if you step back and take off your analyst hat, it also sounds really, really creepy. And including the term, what do they call us? Like monetizable daily users. Yeah. Hello, fellow monetizable daily user. Welcome to the dystopia. Please change that. Change that, you guys. Yeah, that was um, yeah, that was not a great bit of wordsmithing, and um, and that's the sort of thing where, as we you know, the old adage in sports is that winning cures everything. Hey, if if Twitter came out and crushed this quarter and the stock was up twenty percent. We probably wouldn't even be talking about that poorly worded phrase. But yeah, step up and let us plug this right in. A rough year for iRobot got rougher this week. Third quarter results were adversely affected by tariffs. Uh, shares of iRobot down more than fifteen percent this week, and this and and a lot for the year. Something from down from yeah. somewhere in the mid one twenties to about fifty bucks. It was, right it nowadays, was, it actually it, uh, this spring shares of iRobot were over a hundred thirty dollars a share. It is now trading in the high forties. And yeah. I and I don't look at this company very closely. Yeah. But I remember in the spring seeing the stock price and thinking, boy, that's high. I wonder. Really? If the, I wonder yeah. if the business is that good. And now it has come down so much. Now my question is: Wait a minute. Is it really that bad? Yeah, and so iRobot is a stock in the AI service that I uh, run uh, uh, the the picks and analysis for here at the Motley Fool, and it was chosen by my predecessor colleagues. And when I got in, it was sort of at these price levels. And there which is, ones? The high ones? The high prices. Yeah. yeah. And there's some interesting AI involved here, but I don't think it's it's sort of uh, groundbreaking at this point in time. In other words, I think other people can can invent a robot that will go around your house and not kill your cat. But um, so I wasn't very enthusiastic about the pick, especially kind of from the AI angle. But the more you read about the company, especially when you see prices like this, the more you realize they actually have a pretty recognizable brand. They've got a decent intellectual property uh, position that they can uh, defend some of their technology. And um, and they're a, a very uh, high-selling vacuum, and they have a lot of market share. People want these things. I wish I could get one, frankly. It wouldn't work in my house. I have some steps all over the place. But it would be great if the thing swept the floor for me. Even though it doesn't do the job of my 400-pound upright, it would still <laughs> save me some time. And apparently, a lot of other people think that, too. I mean, we're talking about a company that sells a billion bucks worth of mostly vacuuming robots every year. Um, so. At prices like this, it starts to be worth a look, I think, especially because they're getting killed on tariffs because their products are made in China and that's just killing them. But if that is result, and they're doing okay anyway, they were trying to hold the line on price. They they couldn't do that. They had to they had they had to take and say, all right, they had to discount and absorb uh, the tariffs themselves because that's what the competitors were doing. Um, but if that situation changes. And it will eventually. When that happens, they're going to immediately get back several points of margin 
Uh, and so that could be a, a big catalyst. So this is definitely a, a good speculative uh, buy, I think. Uh, if, you, if you think people are going to keep buying robot vacuums, I think they will. And if their robot lawnmower works as well as they hope it will, that would be helpful, too. Quick thanks to Molecule, which is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. Their technology has been personally effective and verified by science, but most importantly, it's been tested by real people, including yours truly. Molecule has given allergy and asthma sufferers around the country an all-new experience. Breakthrough Pico technology across a range of products provides a solution for the entire home when it comes to air purification. So, no matter the size of your room, you can choose the option that's best for your space, whether that's the Molecule Air for large rooms or the Molecule Air Mini for smaller rooms. That's the new device they got, the Mini. Uh, their devices don't just collect air pollutants, they destroy them on a molecular level. Here's the best, best thing I can say about these air purifiers. They work. They just, I, I slept so much better when I had a molecule air purifier in my room destroying pollen. Uh, you can get 10% off your first air purifier. Go to Molecule.com, that's M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com. Use the promo code FOOL10 at checkout. Again, M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com, and use the promo code FOOL10. Next Monday, Virgin Galactic will begin trading on the New York Stock Exchange. This is the first stock in the category of space tourism. How and, would you say? And you're, how how can you not want a piece of that, right? It would is, you say you're very interested, interested, or very interested? Oh, it's got to be very, very interested. <laughs> it's, it's it's grab the popcorn kind of a situation here, uh, and if you're prepared to invest, grab for something else. Um, what you get with your Virgin Galactic uh, trading shares is actually uh, a minority piece of actual Virgin Galactic. There was a special purpose vehicle. These are called SPACs, is the acronym, where somebody said, hey, I'm going to have a, here's a stock that I'm offering, and we're going to have a couple hundred million bucks, and, and this stock will trade. And guess what? We don't have a business. We're going to find one. We're going to find an awesome business. In the meantime, you can just trust me that I'm going to find a good business, because I'm a smart I'm a smart CEO. Um, and so they end up buying 49% of Virgin Galactic uh, back in July, which values it at about $1.3, $1.4 billion overall. Uh, the interesting thing is that we don't have commercial flights going on yet, although I guess they're coming soon. Under Armour had, did you see the release of the Virgin Galactic clothing? Yes, I saw that. I saw that Under Armour has basically said, "Yeah, we'll design your spacesuits." Yeah, they 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 debuted them, and they were sort of blue uh, Hollywood extra stuff that is kind of embarrassing to me as a shareholder of Under Armour to look at. Um, but uh, I guess you do what you can. And uh, let's be honest. And I'm a fellow shareholder. There are more embarrassing things about being a yeah. shareholder of Under Armour than those spacesuits. <laughs> yeah, and Kevin Plank was, you know, involved with it, and then sort of ran for the exits a day or two later. But anyway, um, if you're considering buying these shares, and and I'm don't really think you should be. You might want to take a look at the numbers, which are not easy to come by. But if you do some digging, you can see that uh, Virgin. Burn the cash burn. Uh, the most recent reported year was about 155 million bucks. They say, you know, they're very excited. We have 600 people waiting to buy a ticket. These tickets are about 250 thousand bucks each, which conveniently comes out to about 150 million dollars, about what they would burn in a year if you could get them all to pay and you can get them all up and keep the cost the same. Which I doubt you would. Well, you'd lose five million. You'd burn five million in the next year. 
Um, but hey, that's what you get for your uh, for your share of Virgin Galactic. And and as a buyer of a two hundred fifty thousand dollar ticket, here's what you get. Reading, quoting from their website, several minutes of high quality microgravity. <laughs> now these are suborbital space flights. This is like worse than Alan Shepard's like little pop gun up and down after <laughs> after Yuri Gagarin had already orbited the Earth. This is they're saying about ten minutes. You don't even go into orbit. And two hundred fifty thousand. I have to believe that the market for a two hundred fifty thousand dollar ticket for ten minutes of microgravity isn't that big. Yeah, when we talk about addressable market for a given industry, this seems like not a large one. It seems low, especially because there's risk that people might try to forget about. But you know, there's a lot of risk. This thing. Very many things can go wrong when you're doing this, and this thing could easily kill everybody on board. I mean, you're not for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. You're not you're not riding on an airplane, uh, you know, platform that's got millions of miles tested onto it. You're 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 in a spaceship that could really cause uh, go through some problems and incinerate you. So I don't I don't know that I think this is going to be a great investment opportunity. You'll be avoiding this stock on Monday and days thereafter. I also think that even if it works out, they're going to need so much more money that they're going to be diluting you. It's going to be like when your relatives from the Midwest come over and they want coffee and you give them a cup of coffee and they pour like most of it out and then just fill the rest with hot water. That's that's what the dilution is going to be like in order in order to make this palatable. Is that, is that what relatives from the Midwest do? Oh my God! You give them a regular cup of coffee and they're like, "That's too strong." <laughs> I can't see the bottom of the cup. Uh, a couple of notes before we wrap up. Uh, next week, all week on Market Foolery, it's Halloween week, so we're going to be talking Halloween candy, overrated, underrated. Mm. So underrated candy corn. You think? Hold on. You think candy corn is underrated? It is underrated. Wow. Okay. Email us marketfoolery at fool.com. You can also tweet at us at marketfoolery. Give us your hot takes on Halloween candy, overrated and underrated. I'm going to bring you a, a candy. It's especially underrated on the top of a cake pop. It adds perfect texture to a cake pop. I'm. I'll bring you one. I'm so confident we're going to get emails. Not even people giving us their overrated, underrated. Just responding to you saying candy corn is underrated. <laughs> the hate for candy corn is real, and we're going to hear from people. The hate should be for those those like chalky heart things on Valentine's Day. Yeah, that's yeah, those aren't good. Um, uh, and also, uh, quick shout out to longtime listener Mark Goldman um, and his entire team at the Marine Corps Marathon. Mark is the um, uh, director of marketing and sponsorships at the Marine Corps Marathon. And uh, and this is uh, for him and his team the busiest week of the year because the marathon is on Sunday. Um, latest weather report. Let's hear it. Hundred percent chance of rain. All right. Hundred percent. What do you got for me? Because um, I run seven or more of these. Yeah, you run a bunch. Marathon. I'm running on Sunday. I, I've. Uh, What's the temperature? Uh, supposed to be uh, somewhere in. It matters th- a ton at this point. I think uh, starting out so. As the percentage chance of rain has increased over the past few days, so has the temperature forecast. That's so good because the, we're looking at sort of low 50s to start, upwards to maybe like high 60s, maybe okay, even well that's, 70. That's, that's a lot better. If you have rain and it is like 45 to 55 ish, 45 to 50, you have major hypothermia problems. Okay. That, that is the point. That's the worst hypothermia weather, I think, possible. Anything cooler than that, and people are, are bundled up more. You're sort of in the danger zone. If it's warmer than that, you can still get hypothermia when you're wet. It'll also depend on the wind a ton. 
um, but it is easier to stay warm. Um, were it me and uh, I were heading out, I would have my trash bag at the start to stay dry. I would keep it with me. I'd roll it up. I'd stuff it in my shorts leg, my compression shorts leg. And you, it's key to have those compression shorts and Wranglers and two words, nipple tape, or you're going to be <laughs> suffering. Because once that fabric is wet and it'll be wet right away because it doesn't have to wait for you to sweat, it will be sawing you into pieces. So everybody, nipple tape. Um, and, you're not uh, getting that advice on Bloomberg. Yeah. And by the way... Um, what also works really well are, are the uh, the 3M, those really thin um, see-through 3M bandages, but use a little alcohol in your skin to cut the oil before you put them on. They are so good that they will hold, even when you've sweat underneath them, they stick to you enough like they pressurize from underneath with sweat coming through them. That's how good they are. They'll stay on. But um, 50-ish, I would probably, and rain, if there's going to be wind, I'd go with like a wicking t-shirt, a wicking long sleeve. Um and that's what I do. And I might just put the number on the T-shirt underneath and make sure the long sleeve has a big head hole so that you can take it on and off during the race. And usually two wicking layers will be enough because uh, you're going to heat up. But keep that bag because if for any reason you need to walk and you're not creating heat anymore, you're going to want that bag or you will get hypothermia. And I say this as somebody who finished a race one time with a 92-degree core temp. So, just as there is a 100% chance of rain for the race, there's a 100% chance that I'll be walking at various points during the race. Yeah, so. it's important to keep the baggy along for that. Seth Jason, always good talking to you. Mm-hmm. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by the Iron Man, Austin Morgan. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.